Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley, thank you guys for coming back to the show, Uh, big, big, big game for the Colts, picking up their first win in the playoffs over the Houston Texans, 21-7, kind of dominated this game, right, I mean, it was just from start to finish, you know, really never seemed in doubt, even though the Colts offense kind of kind of took their foot off the gas, I guess you could say, in the second half. I mean, two drives right off the jump, nine plays apiece, touchdowns, first to Eric Ebron, then the Colts get one with Marlon Mack. Later on, they get one in uh, the second quarter from Dontrell Inman. I mean, that's all they needed. You know, I mean, the the Texans ultimately could not uh, stop the Colts offensively. They could not do anything themselves offensively. Deshaun Watson was inaccurate. Uh, excellent win. I mean, we'll go through this a little bit here. We're also going to preview a little bit of what we see just like statistically and matchup wise against the Chiefs, because this is going to be an interesting matchup, folks. I mean, the Colts go into this one of the hottest teams in the NFL, 10 out of their last 11 taking a big another big road win not to mention off of a AFC South rival uh if you want to call it that but I think you get the picture you understand what I'm getting at and this is just I mean this is big time I mean the Colts really feel like not only did they've completed this uh whatever you want to call the rebuild but it almost seems like they've turned the corner a little bit because we're getting some of this contribution from so many different people and it's just a, a real interesting watch. It's a lot of fun to watch right now. It was an exciting game to watch, even though it wasn't really all that close. Uh, I, I know that uh, me and my buddies, when we were watching it, we were pumped the entire game. So, I mean, it was easy to be excited about and a lot of fun to witness the Colts really kind of put their uh, exclamation point on the, on the Texans this year, you know, kind of saying, well, you may have won the division. But we just handed you your ass twice in a row. You know, that was kind of nice. So uh, nice to see that, obviously. And uh, we'll move on here real quick. Get, just throw some statistics out of the way for the game. Luck was 19-32 for 222 passing yards, uh, two touches and a, a tipped ball interception. Mack had 24 carries for 148 yards and a score. Hilton was 5 for 85, looked good, kind of, you know, put his exclamation point on that Texans defense again. Didn't break 100 yards, didn't score a touchdown, but definitely got his point across. 
Uh, like I said, Dontrell Inman, four catches for 53 and a score. Rodgers contributed four catches for 46. Ebron had that touchdown in the uh, first quarter there, three catches for 26 and a score. Leonard Les- led the Colts again in tackles, 13, had a pass defense. Gethers had a nice game with nine tackles and a pass defense. Uh, Kenny Moore, six tackles, a sack, two passes defensed, one of them being an interception. Very good game for him as well. Uh, sheared three quarterback hits. Uh, Al-Kadim Muhammad had a sack. Ridgewayne Stewart shared a sack. Uh, the Colts sacked Watson three times overall and really just kind of owned him, you know, I mean, throughout the game. We, I, we talked about this last week that when the Colts were going to come into this game they had a couple things they had to do and and this is something we'll talk about when they you know when we talk about the matchup with the Chiefs as well making Deshaun Watson step up into the pocket was crucial now Watson had 76 yards I think on eight carries but the rest of the Houston running backs or the rest of the the Houston rushing game was almost you know nothing I mean eight carries I think 29 yards I mean a nice per average I I guess you could say or per carry average but all in all not I mean there's there's really nothing there to uh to to be scared about you know not that not that running game so this is going to be a lot of fun for the Colts going into Arrowhead and uh man it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun game so virtually and we look at this in in Mahomes and Watson are two different quarterbacks uh, against these kind of soft zones that the Colts run in that uh, Tampa 2 coverage so this is definitely not Watson's game you know it was not his cup of tea he had a real rough game skipped a couple balls threw a couple over some wide receive wide open receivers just was I mean he just was inaccurate all day the Colts kind of lucked out on a couple of them. I know they lucked out on a face mask even uh, earlier in the game. And like I said, with Watson's inaccuracy, that definitely helped. Um, the Colts did not allow a sack on Andrew Luck. Uh, Pierre DeSir played really well versus DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, Grant, he did get dinged up during the game. But you know what? There was plenty of Colts that were dinged up in this game too, and they came to play. Uh, Kenny Moore had a really nice game. Hooker came and made some really impressive hits. Now, we've talked about Hooker a lot. You know, a lot of people are complaining about maybe the coverage stuff. He's not had that many opportunities to have too many picks. But the thing was, man, everybody, everybody, and we've talked about this in the past, and in, the, in last year we talked about it some of the beginning of this year, one of the biggest knocks on Hooker coming out of school was his physicality or lack thereof. He showed some serious bring in the pain uh the other day so I was really impressed with that they ended up giving uh a first down on one of his best hits of the year as far as I'm concerned but you've got to love that coming up squaring up and trying to to stop him cold I thought that was excellent you'd love to see that plus he didn't look like he was made of glass when he did it. he looked durable so that was fun uh on third downs the Colts were nine to fourteen Uh, On third and fourth down conversions, the Texans were 5 of 18. So definitely the Colts had the better uh, game in that. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Colts were perfect in the first half. Second half kind of, you know, weren't so uh, efficient, but they still got the job done. Still a really nice average there for the day. Uh, In the red zone, the Colts were 3 of 4. The Texans were 1 of 2. The Colts' first two drives, like I said, they they were great. 18 total plays, 149 yards, two scores out of that. A uh, couple, you know, over the next couple possessions, there were back-to-back interceptions between the two teams. 
Um, Watson threw the interception to Kenny Moore. Luck had a tip ball, and he Luck had a few tip balls in this game. This is something that I now I, I hesitate to call it a problem because you know we always make this caveat when we talk about tip ball interceptions, especially from Luck, because that was just seems to be one of the things that ends up happening more. We and we we make excuses for it. You know, we say, well, it's tip ball, man. You know, that's just kind of a 50, 50. That's a ch- by chance encounter for interception. But here's one thing. Those tip balls at the line of scrimmage are happening a lot more often. Now I'm not going to uh, pretend to give you guys exact statistics on that and how many times he's had tip balls at the line of scrimmage this year, but there's been a bunch. There's been a bunch, uh, even from the linebacking cores and stuff like that. Uh, that the Colts have faced. So I'm a little, I guess, you concerned. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word. But it just kind of seems like it's that or one of those YOLO throws that, that Luck has occasionally in, in games. And I just, I, I don't want those to happen against the Chiefs because it's not that the Chiefs aren't a a bad defense. They are. They're also kind of opportunistic themselves. And you just can't afford to give the Chiefs a ball any more than they're going to have it. I mean, you can't have possessions coming up short against the Chiefs. They're the number one offense in the league uh, throughout the season. So that's just not something that the Colts can afford to do. Luck has got to be – I mean, he, he's been damn good, guys. So I'm not trying to knock on him at all, but I'm just saying one of those things that he – I mean, if it's even possible that you can work on, that's something that Luck really has to focus on is trying to make sure that he's not getting the ball tipped at the line of scrimmage. And also – a, a, a side note to that is that the offensive line has to stay engaged. That's going to help keep those tip passes down. They've got to stay engaged with the edge rushers, with the defensive tackles, and some linebackers coming through trying to tip them. If they're engaged, they can't get off their feet, and they can't tip those passes uh, as easily anyways. So a couple different pieces to the puzzle there to help those tip passes at the line of scrimmage get you know kind of uh, nullif- or minim- minimized. And the Colts, you know, that's really the only thing that I saw aside from the fact that the Colts just weren't great on third down in the second half. The running game came uh, big time with Marlon Mack. It was nice to see him open up. I think he at one point was only averaging three point or three yards per carry on uh, other than like two big runs. He had a 25 yard run and a 29 yard run at that time. And everything else throughout the day, he had only averaged three yards per carry or 2.3 yards per carry, something of that sort. And then as the game progressed, he started to run the ball really well and continued to run the ball well again. So it was nice to see that the yards per carry on those, even though they weren't huge runs, came up. But he ended up having another big run. He ended up having several six, eight, nine-yard runs. It was really impressive to see him kind of put everything together as well. Uh, really, really good game from Marlon Mack and from this offensive line, not only in the protection, but also in the running game. So very impressive from the Colts up front. Uh, the Colts defense forces uh, another three and out later on after the back-to-back interceptions. The Colts ended up throwing another seven-play drive together for 65 yards in that score to Inman. That was a fantastic route from him. Uh, just, you know, kind of just diamond those guys. That was so good. I mean, I've been so impressed with Dontrell Inman. And I know that I've said on this program, I know that I've said it on other guest spots and stuff, that Inman is kind of my sleeper guy. And I've been saying that. If you've been listening to the show at all this year, you know that you've heard me say it. 
Uh, he's not a monster impact type guy, but he is a guy who can absolutely have an impact in games, even if he's only catching two or three, four passes a game, because he is a good target for Andrew Luck. He does trust him, and you saw him get a nice ball there in the red zone. So you're seeing that their uh, relationship, so to speak, on the field is blossoming a little bit too. And, and for a guy like Dontrell Inman, who really is, I mean, ultimately a nobody in the NFL kind of like Chester Rogers, kind of like some of these other guys that the Colts have in their uh, receiving core. It, it just doesn't matter anymore. If they run quality routes, Andrew Luck's going to find them, and they're going to get open, So, especially when that running game's going. So nice to see him. I think I, I presume that he will have you know some more big plays as well. Uh, the Colts, in the end, did give up a couple long drives to the Texans. In the first half, they had two 10-plus play drives. Uh, and a 16 and 11 play drive in the second half. Two of those drives overall uh, did end up in turnovers on downs because, well, quite frankly, the Texans didn't have a choice but to go for it on fourth down. So uh, in the end, 21-7, Colts move on, going to Arrowhead. Big, 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 big game from the Colts. Big game from, I mean, Andrew Luck, the offensive line, uh, the running backs. Excellent, beautifully called game as far as I'm concerned from Frank Reich. Uh, I did say that the, the Colts offense kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in the in the second and late parts of that game, and they did a little bit, but the play calling wasn't bad. There just weren't execution, I guess, to, to some extent. They were kind of just safer play calls, but they weren't terrible. You know what I mean? There's a difference, I guess, in, in just like playing not to win and then not really trying to – just making certain that you don't give up something stupid. And I feel like that's more along the lines of where Frank Reich's play calling was at. And uh, we saw that that uh, Ben don't break defense was more than capable of shutting down the Texans for the remainder of the game other than the one drive. So kudos to the Colts, kudos to everybody on that team and, and, and all the coaching staff. I thought they all did a great job again. And they've really set themselves up for an impressive matchup here in the divisional round in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs, the top-scoring offense in the league throughout the season. So uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a couple moments. Uh, for right now, we're going to take a quick break for our ad, and we'll be right back with a bit of a preview about what the Colts have, what the matchups are going to be, uh, what the Chiefs offer, and so on and so forth right after the break. All right, Colts fans, we have a great deal for you. Let me tell you guys about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do, and if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, find the seat you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same tickets, same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order. And get this, for our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $15 off any single order over $99 through the end of the season. All you have to do is enter SB Colts as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either. They went all in for you guys. 
not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out on this company because it was so stinking easy and nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $50 in fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's very user-friendly and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. Remember, that's TickPick and use the gift code SBCOLTS to save yourself $15 on any order over $99. Go to TickPick and take advantage of this offer two-day, 100% verified Colts tickets without any fees. All right, guys, we're back. So look, the Colts are going to Arrowhead. We talked about this uh, last week, kind of when we were talking about the Texans, that uh, I was pretty pretty confident that the Colts were going to beat the Texans. Uh, also said it was going to I felt like it was going to be a double-digit score. I also said that it was complete or kind of uh, opposite matchups that we would need to pay attention to between these two games. The Colts' offense was going up a really good Houston defense and running defense. The Colts won that battle for sure. Going to Arrowhead now, the Colts' defense is going to be playing an impressive Chiefs offense, and this is going to be something where the if you're a Chiefs fan, you're hoping that your defense can make a couple plays against the Colts' offense or find a way to stop them. The Chiefs' defense is not good. Statistically, they're just not good amongst the league. Uh, they give up a lot of rushing yards. They're not, I mean, they're just not good. Okay. But they're not incapable of having a good game. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the Cowboys' defense has been excellent all through the season, and the Colts just destroyed them. So you see what I'm saying? Everybody is capable of having a good or bad game at any point in time. You just hope that some of the consistency that the Colts have shown over the past 10, 11 games kind of shows out in this game and that the Colts can make a few stops in a couple plays and maybe get some points defensively uh, in order to kind of hold down this, uh, the, you know, this scary Chiefs offense. So uh, the Chiefs have been 3-2 and two in their last five games. Not great considering they had had an excellent record before that. Uh, and one of those three wins was in overtime against the Ravens. Uh, they've averaged 32.2 points per game. They've been giving up 25 points a game, including a three-point, uh, you know, holding the Raiders to three points in week 17. So if you think about that, if the Raiders had even scored, you know, maybe 25 points, that that uh, allowance of of, uh, of scoring goes quite up, up quite a bit. Their defense has been atrocious. So uh, they had that one game. In fact, they gave up 33 points to the, to the Raiders like four weeks before that. So it just goes to show you how, you know, one week can be one thing and one can be the next, especially when it's the Raiders. So uh, they've also been uh, averaging 406 yards per game. They've been giving up 385 yards per game. That's a ton. Uh, in the Colts' last five games, they've been averaging 25.8 points per game. Not as much, okay? So this is kind of one, one of the things that worry me a little bit about the Colts' offense. Uh, we've seen it in this game. We saw it last game uh, against the Titans, and it was the – opposite of what we'd seen in the previous several games before that before that the Colts had not been scoring much in the first quarter but had kind of relegated their offense to the second quarter the third and fourth and they'd gotten enough to win they'd gotten some points on the board uh and, and the Colts last couple games they've been they've gone down the field early in the first couple drives just look unstoppable you know, I mean, the Titans, when they played them, they just went down the first two drives and just, just dissected that defense. 
yeah, uh, this past weekend uh, in the wild card round against the Texans. The Colts went down, scored, uh, had the tip ball interception on the next one, and then Colts came back on their next possession and scored another touchdown. So three of their first four drives, the Colts put points on the board. They didn't put anything, any points on the board the rest of the game. To me, that is a bit of a concern. I'm, I'm, I want them to spread it out a little bit. 21 points is plain and simple not going to be enough to beat the Chiefs, okay? That is not going to happen. Granted, the Chiefs' defense is not the Texans, but the Colts were smoking the Texans, you know, uh, defense in the first half. So uh, the Colts, I mean, I'm just looking at what has happened uh, with the Chiefs and what has happened with the Colts in the past, you know, eight, six, eight weeks, the Colts have to score 34 points in this one, folks, to win this game. I, I, if they don't, I don't think that they've got much of a chance to win. That's just where I'm at with the reality of the situation. The Colts have to get 34 points in this game to have an opportunity to win, in my opinion. They cannot be in the 20s. They've got to put points up, and they've got to put up a lot of them. And they've got, that defense has got to play, and we'll show you. Here's some things that uh, you know are really working for the Colts. The Colts are only giving up 14.4 points per game in the past five games. That's impressive. They're averaging 413 yards per game. And here's another one, giving up 251 yards per game. That's 130 yards better than the Chiefs defense is giving up. So, I mean, they're giving up 385 yards. The Colts are giving up 251. That's impressive. That defense needs to stay, okay? They have to keep going. Matt Eberflus has to continue calling really good games defensively. And they have to they simply have to continue to execute. The linebackers have been great. The front four have been really good. You know, and this is kind of uh one of the things that we look at as we look ahead uh to, you know, this offseason coming up, no matter what the Colts do. The Colts definitely, I think, need an edge rusher, but you also see such widespread contribution up around this front seven of guys doing their job and not necessarily having to be standouts. Uh, Jabal Sheard, like I said, he had three quarterback hits. He didn't really notice them. You know I mean? They just weren't all that uh, impressive. They, uh, uh, Marcus Hunt was really impressive in the middle and had a really nice tackle on Deshaun Watson as he was scrambling up the middle. There's just the, the, the way that these guys work together is kind of mitigating the fact that they do not have a pure edge rusher. And it's something that the Colts need. It's something that the Colts will absolutely have to develop. And I think that you can look at Taekwon Lewis and hopefully Kamoko Ture as kind of a one-two punch for them in the future, whether it be that they rotate or play on book at bookends. It's something that the Colts need not only just to have, but they need to establish it. So this is something that I don't necessarily know if it's a, a concern, but just like against Houston, the Colts are going to have to make Mahomes step up in the pocket to make plays in order to keep him from making plays outside of the pocket because he has been amazing when he gets out of the pocket. You don't say that a lot. Guys get out of the pocket. They make plays. Uh, but Mahomes has been on another level this year. So, I mean, the Colts have to limit him. And they have to really concentrate on keeping him inside the tackle box, if at all possible. He's quick enough to get, you know, to be elusive, I guess you could say, against uh, some of what the Colts have. But they've got to be able to uh, contain him. They've got to keep him inside of there uh, for the Colts to really kind of do what they do. 
Uh, the Colts are a little better offensively on third downs than the Chiefs. The Colts have third down percentage uh, of 48.6, and the Chiefs have 47.2. Also defensively, the Colts are a little better uh, and have a 41% third down allowance percentage, and the Chiefs are at 41.5. So not a whole lot of difference on the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of uh, interesting in terms of that. But offensively, the Colts are a little better. So got to love that. In the red zone, the Chiefs get the nod offensively uh, with a 71.8% uh, red zone percentage, uh, scoring percentage. The Colts have uh, a 68.8%. So both very good, but the Colts are not quite as good as the Chiefs on that. On defense, however, this is where the real uh, difference comes in, in in terms of what could make or break this game. Defensively, the Colts are much better have a 53.5% uh, offensive, or I'm sorry, a defensive red zone scoring percentage against, whereas the Chiefs are almost just allowing everybody to score, 72.4%. That is a monster advantage going into this game. Red zone efficiency defensively will have to be the staple. If the Colts can continue that and force the Chiefs to kick three and take field goals, that could be a major point in the game. I mean, for every two times that the Chiefs go down and kick field goals and the Colts get a touchdown, we'll trade kick our field goals for touchdowns all day long. And you look at that percentage, that's something that you want to see. I mean, you want that to stand and you want that to be uh something that happens here because 72.4 like I said, that that's an insane percentage. I mean, that is almost letting everybody score. So Hopefully that stays the same. And if the Colts, you look at their offensive uh, red zone percentage and you mitigate both of those two versus the, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're actually allowing it more than what the Colts are scoring it. So that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on there. Red zone will play a major part in this game. Uh, the Chiefs have given up over 2,100 2, rushing yards this year uh, to the tune of five yards per carry. They've given up 19 rushing touchdowns. Hopefully. We see another big game from Marlon Mack and or Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hine. Don't really care. The running game has to be what it was uh, this past Saturday and probably more. I mean, I would love to see Marlon Mack drop another 150 yards. I think everybody would, obviously. But against this Chiefs running uh, defense, I think that it's possible. I mean, it's quite possible in, in terms of that. I mean, the Colts, look. In their first drive against the Texans, they were passing the entire time. They only ran the ball once. And then you see them in the second drive, and they almost didn't pass at all. That right there, not just the fact that it worked, but they were stubborn about it. Frank Reich was was stubborn about pushing that running game, and it was becoming effective, effective enough to move the chains. And that is what sets the tone for the game because the defense is on their heels from that point on. Colts, I mean, you want to see them do that. Now, whether they just stay balanced the entire, you know, first few drives uh, and just kind of alternate back and forth or whether they just dominate one side of it or the other doesn't really make much of a difference. As long as you're show- they're showing both aspects of it and they're both effective, the Colts have a, a monster offense to deal with. And the Chiefs defense sucks, quite honest with you. So if they can do that and the Chiefs can't stop them one way or the other, the Colts really have to take advantage of when they've got the ball. They've got to put points on the board. They've got to be six. 
and they cannot turn the ball over in this case because, like I said, you do not want to give the ball back to the Chiefs. And, and they haven't been quite as good in their past five games as you saw in terms of what they're putting on the board. Um, and the Colts haven't really either, to be quite honest with you. They're only get, you know just under 26 points per game, but that defense is kind of been stymieing some defense or from, uh, opposing offenses. So that's, that's going to be big. Uh, putting points on the board, the Colts have been on 52%. I'm sorry, the Chiefs have put points on the board on 52.6% of their drives. That is an insane number itself. I mean, it's almost as insane as their pathetic defensive red zone percentage. It's like they score, I mean, all the time. You know, obviously that's right at about half the time. But when you're in a football game, half of your drives, if you have eight or nine drives a game, that's right about their average, right? 28, 35 points a game. Uh, the Colts have on 41.2%. So there's a big difference there. That, in my opinion, can be mitigated when you look at it um, holistically and try to deem what the Colts can do on defense to kind of try to throw a wrinkle in what Mahomes is trying to do and Andy Reid. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. It's going to be a beautiful matchup. I think this is, I think the Colts right now in the AFC. Now, look, the Chargers defense was phenomenal uh, against the Ravens. It was a really interesting game. I thought that was really fun to watch uh, defensively, how they, you know, used all their defensive backs in there to stop the Ravens uh, and just kind of just destroy what they were trying to do. But I still think that the Colts are probably the best-suited defense to take on uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, I, I say that because I think he is going to be better against those zone defense uh, looks just for the small pieces. Now, you're going to have to look at the tight ends. What are the tight ends going to be able to do? This is going to be – I mean, that's going to be their field day, you know, for the Chiefs. So if they can limit them – the Colts are going to be able to kind of limit the deep game. I think that that's important as well. Uh, the Colts have to stop the run up front, and they've got to stop it with their front four. They've also got to get some pressure. I mean, it's going to be a very tall task against this Chiefs offense. So it's going to be fun. I do think that they're well-suited to do it because they do stop the run. That's something that is has been uh, all year long. They've been doing it all year long. So doing that, being able to give up some yardage, forcing them into field goal situations or, or turning the ball over or forcing a punt or making Patrick Mahomes do something stupid. Those things all are going to come into play in this game. And uh, the Colts are either going to keep this a very, very good game and tight or possibly could take advantage of a couple mistakes or they run the risk of getting just walked out of the stadium. And I mean, this is going to be a very fine line I think in, in this matchup between what could possibly happen in there uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun I'm honestly really excited for this game I do think the Colts have a chance in this game I do think it's a small chance because I think that the Chiefs have been great all year although I like the fact that the Colts played last week and the Chiefs didn't this is always one of the things that I never liked when the Colts had a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, you like it because you're in the divisional round automatically. But it just, I mean, it's kind of like the Colts when they come off of a bye during the regular season. It just never feels right. I mean, it feels like everybody took a week off, literally. And they shouldn't look like that. They should look like they fine-tuned everything and got healthy. And I mean, at least from a fan's perspective, that's what it feels like they should be doing. 
Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the Chiefs come out a little slow and a little peaked, and the Colts come out hungry, and the Colts come out you know like they played last week, and they're, like, they're, they're trying to move on. And if they do and they start hot, the Colts have to maintain that throughout the, uh, the rest of the game. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think that the Colts have a real shot at this game. I still think this is a single-digit game one way or the other. So I'm going to do a little more analysis on this, kind of really look at what I think Patrick Mahomes does well uh, for a show later in the week and what he doesn't do well, and maybe try to figure out where the Colts can exploit some of what he's doing in order to find a way to win this game. So uh, should be a, a fun week. I know that we'll hear from Steven again. I know that we'll hear from Chris as well, uh, the Dark Horses and the Horseshoes with Holder. So we'll have a couple more podcasts from them throughout the week. Like I said, I'll get something to you uh, at least by Friday, uh, a little bit deeper into what we're going to see. Hopefully we'll see this Saturday. Uh, big game, 425, 435, something like that. Saturday, it's going to be a great game. It's a big game. It's a it's a high energy environment. Arrowhead is notoriously one of the loudest stadiums. It's a big home field advantage for them. Um, love to see the Colts go in there and shut them up right away. That would be a lot of fun. So thank you guys all for coming back to the show. I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys are giving us a rating and review there on iTunes. Uh, and you will hear from us later on in the week. You'll hear from me later on in the week. And uh, we'll do this bad boy again. Hopefully the Colts can uh, have a nice week of practice. We'll start to see some guys get healthy, so on and so forth. And, and things will start to turn out the way that we hope that they will. The Colts could, could, could put themselves in the AFC Championship game uh, only four years after being in the AFC Championship game as well. And it could very well go back to Foxborough. So could be an interesting uh, week here, guys. Everybody get pumped up. The Colts, uh, Colts look like they're definitely on the right path, not just for the future, but for right now. It, uh, they're, they're looking pretty stout. So uh, thank you guys all for listening, and I'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.